Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. As long as there's no one on here, I'm going to sing. Good morning, good morning, Roberta is here, Roberta, you're here, I was singing for you, wait, you disappeared, are you still here, yo, Chuck D, so that's for a record player, that's, this is, this frame right here is for a record, but it was too expensive to get the photo record of a, a public enemy photo record. So I ordered a turntable cover, a scratch mat, and put it in that frame. Worked out pretty good, huh? And there's Dr. King. But yeah, I was very excited about that. Crafting during the Christmas time. Christmas, God, what a landmine of a holiday, am I right? emotions during the holidays. Look at me, unshaved. Stuck in my husband. <laughs> kids are with their mom. <laughs> Sent the kids to the house. I was like, I'm gonna get a lot done. And what I got a lot done of is um, The Walking Dead season seven. Now I thought they were gonna get rid of the bad guy in one season. Um, Cause I grew up where the bad guy got rid of in one episode and um, Freaking Walking Dead, the, the Negan guy. It took two seasons. Two. Two seasons to get rid of this bad guy. But they're going to try to reform him. Spoiler alert. Anyway, um, got some Christmas shopping done yesterday, so maybe that's why I feel a little bit better about my life. Um, once again, um, Good things are happening. Hello, Chris. Uh, good things are happening. The documentary's going well. We're, man, we just, we're getting so many good guests. Ironically, the only people we can't get are like my family. But we've got some of my family. We've got my nephews. We've got me. My kids aren't going to do it because they're too young. So maybe one day when they're old, they can do whatever they want. They'll probably be famous for being scientists or something. Um... Uh, but yeah, it, it's going good. It's tough. Um, so last week I wasn't here. And the reason I wasn't here is because um, Frank, who has worked with me uh, doing handling the finances of Revolution, like we had a big mess. We let a volunteer one time do like a year of helping us with finances. And what happened is, is it went poof. And then, like, I had to go meet with the IRS because the right things weren't filed and we weren't paying unemployment. And it's a mess. Like, and when you're a nonprofit and you're a baker, it's a real mess. So, like, one day an IRS agent showed up to my house with a business card. Hey, we need to meet. I was like, ah! And um, we worked it out. It got worked out. Um, but we hired Frank. Gosh, Frank worked us for 15 years. Now, Frank was, like, an artist. And he was the sweetest man. Um, 
he was a great artist. He was like, he always called me darling. He was like, darling, oh, baby, you know, and he's like, we, all right, darling. And I'm like, we didn't get this much money in this, but I'm going to put in the money that we can this month, you know, and always took care of me and always had conversations, you know, when we gain new donors or lose new donor or if a big donor came in, he was like, you've got to write a letter to these guys. Come on, Jay. And, um, Frank was awesome, you know, and I got to spend time with him when I was out in New York and, uh, he was a good guy. He could also get mad because I sometimes forget to do things. <laughs> and, uh, so he got sick and I didn't realize he was sick. Um, and I don't think he realized how sick he was. And, uh, so I hadn't heard from him in a while and I thought, oh shit, you know what? I think I forgot to send in the signed checks um, that I think go to pay them. Um, and so I oh, got it all like sent it in and send him a thing and let him know about what we were thinking about maybe closing house in February. And he uh, never got back to me. And then I finally called Ken, who he works for, and said, hey, what's going on? Is, is Frank mad? And he goes, no, no, Frank just found out he has stage four cancer. Um, so strangely enough, one of my friends who connected me with Frank now lives out here and, um, her name's Barb and Barb called me and goes, Hey, he just got moved into hospice. I was like, he just found out he had cancer yesterday. Yeah. And so then I texted her, said, can you send me an address? I want to send some flowers and stuff. And, and, uh, he died. He died within 24 hours of being in, in, um, hospice. So, um, I mean, this guy's artwork, I'm going to ask to get some photos of it just so I can share it with some of us, uh, online, um, because it was like abstract and just brilliant. And I've always wanted one. I always thought the guy was just amazing. Um, and he was just a New Yorker to the bone and, uh, he'll be missed. And, and for me, I think with, with losing people this year, um, I've lost a few people that were close to me this year. Um, and this last one, I mean, Frank and I weren't like best buddies, but he also was a very fatherly type of figure. And of course he was a gay man. So usually gay men are very fatherly in my life for some reason, <laughs> like I've got like four or five gay dads. Um, but they were really, you know, he was just always like shot straight with me. Or if he noticed something like one time I bought a, like a, a piece of camera, like holder equipment at urban outfitters. And Jay, you used the card at urban outfitters. What was that for? You know, like he always, you know, was making sure that we were keeping everything going. And the new person we got, I believe her name is Kate, and she seems really awesome, and I think it's gonna it's gonna be great for now. Um, we needed to raise fifteen thousand. Was the hopes? Uh, we brought about in four thousand, which I can't thank you guys enough for that. Um, please continue to let your friends know. Um, we did have a little more money in the bank than I realized. I guess Frank had been sick a little bit longer, and and so we we are kind of getting there. Um, I think really if we got about five more grand, that would really help us get to the end of February. Uh, you know, I'm going to do Galatians in January. 
probably into February. And then we're going to do Tillich's uh, You Are Accepted talk um, and go through that and kind of go through Paul Tillich's history, which I think is going to be really fantastic. Um, so today. Today. Oh, hey, I'm reading this book. I got, I went, when I was in England, I got to see Nick Cave and uh, Sean O'Hagan interview, do an interview. And it was really cool. It was just like last minute. And there's, you know, Nick Cave sitting there. And so I was like, oh, and they were talking about this new book. I was like, well, you know, I don't really like to read like this. Kind of, I'm always trying to read philosophy now and, and um, theology and just, you know, that kind of stuff. But I was listening to it on, I got it on the tape, on cassette tape, no, but you know, and listening to it and it was really great. So I went out and I freaking bought the freaking book. It's stupid good. Stupid good. Um, very interesting. So you might want to check that out. God knows he needs the money, right? <laughs> um, I got a lot of really great books. This is another book that I think you all might find interesting. Because we're always trying to be a community, a diverse community of beliefs. You know, we want to have conservatives and we want to have liberals here. Let's look. And join Right and Left by Todd McGowan, one of my favorite authors. And it's really funny because this sad face here, which looks like a sad Amazon face, kept coming up every time I was told about my order. Yeah, I, I did it on Amazon. I feel bad, but, you know, anyway. What are you going to do? Forgive me. So today we are going to talk about a verse I've never talked about. Ah! I've always skimmed. I just recently watched um, Pee Wee's Big Adventure with my seven-year-old. When I mean, like for me, that's like a rite of passage. I mean, I think it's what turned a lot of us into punk rockers, like second wave punk rockers. <laughs> um, and Pee-wee was, is just, was like my best friend when I was a kid. I never met him, but um, Paul Rubin, but he, he was, meant a lot to me as a kid. And, um, and so, but in that Pee-wee's big adventure, remember he's running through the pet store and he's like, sees the snakes. He's like, passes the snakes, sees the snakes, passes the snakes. And then finally comes out and he's like, ah, <laughs> um, so this is well, I didn't skip this because I'm afraid of this verse. I just skipped it because I was like, eh, eh, eh. And today I was like, I'm really surprised. Like, I've been doing this since 1994, 1995-ish. And I haven't talked about it. Oh, and also the, the sermon we did last, the talk I put up last week, was actually from like 1998, 99, and I was speaking at Six Flags. And and it's so weird because uh, Zoe was listening to it, and they said that, uh, I was like, I work with homosexuals. I love the homosexuals. <laughs> I don't ever say homosexuals anymore. Um, I work with the heterosexuals, and they're horrible. <laughs> the heterosexuals need to be stopped. Um, all right, anyhow. I had a lot. You guys, I'm not going to lie. That's a really big iced tea. Um, so what is this mystery verse? 
you say, Jay. Um, it's Matthew uh, 21. And one of the reasons that made me first think about this, a lot of my talks, and I've talked about this before, usually come up in my mind at night. And I, since I've been reading like some psychology, especially Freudian stuff, and kind of understanding that, like how the mind works a little bit more, and also Hegel, which really adds on to that of this like, kind of the contradictions that we can embrace and the dialectics that exist. And how we, everything we like to do is, is kind of put in boxes, even the dialect or, you know, and, and I read quotes all the time that's like, you know, don't show me your words. I mean, don't tell me your words, show me your actions. And uh, I want to push back on that a little bit because I believe words are very powerful. And I also believe that sometimes if we listen for what's not being said, that's also very powerful. Uh, what we what, what's left out. Um, I think anybody who's like a con contract lawyer would probably tell you that as well. Um, but sometimes you can see like if you're with somebody and you can see them avoiding a particular subject. This is how I found out something very bad in my life is that I realized that I was the only one not being told about a certain thing. But everybody else seemed to know about it, but it was never brought to my attention. And then I was like, oh, this is why, because it, something was going on. So what wasn't being said was actually the issue. Um, you know, and, and I don't think there's any way to like ever say like there's like silence. Like I always used to always say silence is violence, but then sometimes I feel like we have to allow time for people in people's lives to have a little bit of silence to, to grasp what's going on, to really think and, and register what's happening and to make up their mind and make a decision. Um, we all want everybody to just think like we do and not offend us or we won't offend them. And it's just not how the world works anymore. Um, so the, 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 the verse, I automatically turned, this is, um, I'm like a Freudian, I'm like the Freudian dream automatically turned to Galatians, my favorite book. Um, also the earliest book in the Bible. All right, let's go. Matthew. Matthew 21. Are you ready? Obviously, I'm not ready. Um, this is kind of hidden over here, kind of hidden over here in the corner. Um, but it's down in 28. Well, let's read it, shall we? We shall. So this is Matthew 21 is kind of, uh, even to like, tw like Matthew 21, 22, 23 is, is, is Jesus telling the, Pharisees how it is, telling the religious leaders how it is. And so I want us to really think about this stuff. I want it to really let it sink in. I want to really think, like, how does this apply to, like, leadership, politics? I feel like politicians are the new ministers and preachers in some ways because they try to, now they're the ones who are trying to rule over us and make us do all this shit, no matter what side they're on. Um... 
but I also think comedians are also the new, you know, because they make us uncomfortable and they make us think about things that maybe we wouldn't thought about before. Um, and uh, and then me, because I'm also here to make you think. Um, Matthew, there it is, 28. So Jesus is 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 being questioned at the um, where is he? He is at the temple with the priests. And so Jesus asks them this question. And you can see there's this little kind of like back and forth of what's going on here. Um, and we're going to not go through the whole thing, but, it, 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 you know, they, they're trying to trick Jesus. And then Jesus turns around and tricks them. And I have to admit, I think I would be the disciple who would be like, Jesus, listen. I just, can I be your publicity guy? Because I, I, can I coach you a little bit on how to talk clear? Jesus loves parables and Pete loves parables. And both those guys, I'm just like, could you just shoot straight with me? <laughs> yeah, Jesus, that's not going to be really helpful. <laughs> um, I kid. It's a joke, folks. I just lost I just lost a listener because I said that. I said, no, Jay, you can't talk about Jesus that way. Um, so Matthew 28 says, what do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first one and said to the son, Go and work in the vineyard. Uh, go work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. Later he changed his mind. I'm going to underline that. Changed his mind and went. The father went to the second which I think is the, the, I know a lot of the second sons here and they're actually pretty smart. The father went to the second son and the same and they answered, I go, I'll go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of the father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, now hold on for it. When I was, when me and Donnie Earl lived with his parents. D.E. Polk, if you don't know who he is, find him. He's awesome pastor and uh, i had a dream about de last night but we were like brothers and so i was always the one to confess my sins so, so like if we overslept like if we skipped church and i don't know or i would always sleep through worship jay if you weren't at worship you know the pastor book like, you know uh, you know it's a rule you know you just all, the only rule to live here in the house is you go to church on sunday jay oh i'm sorry i'll make it up jay. And then D.E., who was also sleeping in the next room, would be like, oh, I was there. I just got, I just sitting in the back. I got in late. And I was like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> That's why he taught me about grace to cope. He needed grace <laughs> for lying about not being in the back of the church. He would allow me to expose that at this point. I, one time I came home, I worked at the mall, and there was a, a big debt in my car and I was like some bastard hit my car in the mall parking lot and I'm so angry and like I found out a year later he's like dude that was me in our in our driveway I was the one who hit your car he's like damn you were mad anyhow now that was our type of friendship uh missed that guy um so the the first the tax collector say obviously the one who said he wasn't going to go but went he was the one who was right you know then then first, Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going to get into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came 
to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him, and even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. Now, here's also some interesting things I think about when I see this. Is that I remember when my mom would do Larry King and do things like that. She was often, well, Tammy, is it a sin? Well, you know, I don't think God makes any junk, but I, you know, I don't believe in gay marriage, but I do believe they should have the right to have civil union, you know. And honestly, like, I don't know if that would be her stance today. And if it was her stance today, I don't know if, you know, the, uh, the moral majority would accept it. <laughs> That's what I call anybody who is the moral police now is the moral majority. Um, and, but she was always good at being an outsider for both sides. So God bless her for that. But I was thinking about that, like how she would just say something, but then she was at the gay bookstore signing books. Oh, honey, I love you, giving hugs, you know, loving people, just who she was, being who she was. Um, yeah, honestly, I can't talk enough about my mom lately, and that's okay. Fantastic. You know, I hope my kids feel that way one day about me as well. Um but here it goes, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going to get into the kingdom of God before you. So I want to just make it clear that sometimes, you know, we go, we, we watch the person's actions, not their words. And sometimes I don't think that just means like, I'm going to love all these people and do all this. And then you just see him like in the Mercedes, like throwing $100 bills out the window. I don't think it always means that. I think it also means like people who are like, well, I haven't made a stance. I don't know where I stand with the LGB community. Like me early in the years. And this, and what made me think about it was this 1989 thing I was doing. But I will tell you, at every festival and every church I spoke at, I was always sitting down with a gay or lesbian person or transgender person at the church talking to me, saying they felt safe with me. And I had made no stands. I guess it was my mom, you know, guilt by association with Tammy Faye and maybe this guy, Jesus. And people knew I, I loved him. And so for me, I was an ally or affirming or a friend of the community before I made my stance. You know what I mean? And I think that's one of the things that my mom said, she goes, well, do you have to say it? Because in her mind, it was like, we just got to do the work on the inside. If you say it, they're going to throw you out and there will be no work like when she was kind of right on my behalf. So I think there's a lot of different ways of seeing this and not necessarily going like, this is hypocrisy, which I used to feel was hypocrisy in my own life. I mean, I used to get really mad that Rob Bell and, and, and Brian McLaren and all my buddies weren't speaking out originally. And they did all come eventually speak out. But I was really like, you know, and me and Shane Claiborne had some knockout drag on conversations, you know, and I'm like, I was, I was part of the Red Letter Christians, the original version, and I was pushing these guys, and they were telling me it wasn't social justice, and I'm going, it is social justice, and now it's completely social justice. You know, so I was glad to be a part of that. I guess I just tooted my, I did some humble brags there. I, I think I just heard myself do. Forgive me. Um, but it is a tough fight. Loving others. And you do what you got to do. But what I like here is he goes, truly I tell you that tax collectors and prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. Now, this is one thing I, I, I never noticed. 
and I've read over this verse, is the ahead of you. He's not saying you're not going to the kingdom of God, and I don't think the kingdom of God is heaven here. I would have to do a better uh, word search um, for it, but usually the kingdom of God is the realm of Christ on earth. But um, one of the cool things I think is, um, talked about Zoe earlier, I saw he pop, they popped up, um, you know, Zoe is a hell of an encourager. Like, if, if you want to know some things, again, um, like, if I have people around me who encourage me, and it's almost embarrassing sometimes, um, the amount of love that I receive from Zoe, because I don't receive a whole lot of that from people, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, I almost don't know what to do with it. Um, so I just want to publicly thank him. Let you guys know that he's a force behind this gathering. Um, he's making sure I'm not a starving baker, you know, because, man, I can go through just holes. I barely, you know, I got, I've realized this recently, like, I got to get out of the house more, just, even if I take a walk. Just go to the mall like my mom used to. Okay, so truly I tell you, tax collectors and prostitutes are going into the kingdom ahead of you. But I like that idea of ahead of you, okay, everybody? I like that idea of him saying, Jesus is saying, listen, these people you don't like, guess what? They're getting in before you. But you might still be getting in. I'm like, I love the hope of grace. I love that grace is sufficient. It's even like, even you legalistic bastards, you might get in. Now, one of the things I wanted to, uh, to share about this and think about this is like when we do it anyway, when we love people anyway, when we love the wrong people, and I would love, I would either on my thing, get showed too much grace or love the wrong people on my tombstone. Um, But, but like, this, this, this idea of um, the contradiction comes back into this idea of this contradiction of saying, no, I'm not going to do it. You do it. Or I'm going to be silent, but you're really doing the hard work. Um, my mom's now being celebrated, and she wasn't like this crazy outspoken person, but she just did it. She loved people, and they could read between the lines, and they saw what was there, and they saw the actions, and they saw those things. Um... So I think we can, we can have, but we're all human beings. We're all individuals. We're all different part of the bodies. And I think we can all embrace what our different content, because there's some of you guys being like, oh, I just want to talk, like me, I want to speak. I want to speak. I want to communicate. I want to do more. If I, we do find a place downtown, that's when I'll start doing regular kind of interactions with human beings besides my children. Um, we all have different purposes, you know, and I see people doing great stuff. Like when we used to do revolution in Atlanta, um, we just found out who the best AIDS ministry was. And we decided like, we're going to just send you guys money a month from our church because we're not going to do as good a work as you, you know? And um, so that's what we did and pretty much remained silent about it till right now. So, you know, there was, things we did that help people in, in realizing that some people do a job better than you. 
And by watching people who can do a job better than you, maybe it's time to support them uh, rather than like, oh, well, I feel like I should have to start something where we're going to do it and it's not going to be as good as what they're doing. You know, that's the problem with capitalism. It's like, oh, we just have to, you know, continue to, maybe we should compete with this aid survival. No, we're going to be, we're going to, we're going to invest in it. Um, all right. So then you got the brother goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to go. I'll be there. See you there, Dad. Well, I'm working. He doesn't go to work. Um, let's look down at... Um, gives, Jesus gives another parable. And this parable is pretty pretty tough. As it, it, it says, listen, another parable, there was a landowner who, who, who planted a vineyard but, and put a fence around it and, and dug a wine press in it and built a watchtower. Then he lay into the... Then he leased it to the tenants. Now what happens is he leases these to the tenants. And he, he sends his slaves. Well, there's not something fun. He sends his slaves to collect the money and they kill the slaves. So he sends his management slaves. down. They kill them and he goes, well, you know, shit. These guys are killing my, my, my workers. I'll send my son down. Obviously they'll recognize him, blah, blah, blah. But then the... The owners of the or the rentors go, oh, well, here's the heir. Like, let's kill the heir and it will all be ours. Who could the heir to the father be? Oh, I wonder if there's a secret meaning behind this story. So then you got that. You've got people who say, say they're not going to do it and they do it. And then people say they're going to do it and they don't do it. And then you got somebody telling a story that we have to figure out, a little parable, a little mystery. You know, what's going on here? We've got all these different things going on here. And uh, then he, Jesus goes, so what do you think this, this, the landowner is going to do now that he's killed like all these people? Well, he's going to, if you've seen any good movies, he's going to get revenge. He's going to get his money back. Um, you know, he'll be played by, um, who would he be played by? I don't know, some awesome action star. Um, Robin, was it Willis? Rob Willis? Rob, no. The guy from Die Hard. Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis would, would be the, the owner of the vineyard. So Jesus read, never read the scripture to the, okay. Listen to this part, because this is where Jesus gives the answer to them. Jesus said to them, have you never read the scripture of the stone that the builders rejected has become the Lord's cornerstone? Um, therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to the people that produce the fruit of the kingdom. The one who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces and it will crush anyone whom it whom it falls. Now this has got the priests angry and they wanted to arrest him. And I think this is probably this story here was the beginning of the road to Damascus, not to Damascus, <laughs> the road to the cross. But one of the things I, I hope you're hearing here, I hope you're listening with your ears is, as he goes, the stone the builders rejected had become the cornerstone. The stone the builders rejected. Now, if that's Christ, right? Christ being rejected. 
growing up my whole life, I was like, you want to be like Jesus. You want to be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. So basically, like my whole life, I thought, well, I had to be holy and live like a monk and all this stuff. And then I get older and start reading Jesus and going like, oh, I have to hang out with prostitutes and drunks and go to bars. And, oh, that's <laughs> that's how you act like Jesus. Oh, and I have to be a reject, like the corner, you know. And my whole life has been a reject. I mean, I, I, I'm, a, I'm the son of rejects, you know, linked to them as every time I do anything, failures have son, you know, but luckily the LGBTQ community and folks like that are like, bravo, you know, but then there's a lot of other liberals who are like, deny your father, you know, and it's just like, this, like, I'm going insane. But what makes me happy is the stone that was rejected becomes a cornerstone. But do you see the different things that are encouraging us here? It's like saying like, you can change your mind, which that's all repentance is. This is the guy saying, no, I'm not going to do it. And then goes and does it, does it. Even the guy did a form of repentance, just not in a more positive, more negative way. Kept lips, oh yeah, I got it done. And then just went and did his thing. But these are, these kinds of ideas is showing us like simplicity of repentance. J Jesus saying like these tax collectors and prostitutes who, who aren't just words. He's not like just like, the gays, you know, he, he's like, these, like, these are people I, I have dinner with. I get in trouble with having dinner. This is Matthew where, remember I went to Matthew's house, not the same Matthew that this is named after, but still the tax collector. I mean, Jesus hangs out with tax collectors and prostitutes. So he's not, he's not virtue signaling. He's saying these folks get it. You don't get it. And you're not going to get there first, but where is there? And he goes on, he goes, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to the people, the prophecies who produce, no, given to those that produce the fruits of the kingdom. Do you know what the fruits of the kingdom are, folks? Um, come closer to the camera. <laughs> Do you know who, who these folks are? I mean, what, what is the fruits of the kingdom? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what he's talking about. So when he says, given to the people that produce the fruits of the kingdom, he's saying when, the, when we are producing fruits of the kingdom, it doesn't matter if you're an atheist right now, agnostic, super Christian, freaking fundamentalist. Listen. This is what matters. Jesus said, before he died, I want you guys to love each other because the world will know you belong to me for your love for one another. Because that's simply it. They will know you belong to me. So if you want to follow what Jesus said, they'll know that you love me. Now, Jesus loved people, broke religious traditions, broke sacred traditions in order to love people. Love always trumps. It's just a fact. I will argue it with anybody. 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 If you guys want to get like greatest Bible scholars in the world, I will sit down and I will argue this with them. I have no problem with that. There's certain things that they could nail me on. But this one, it's the hill I'm going to die on. And it's also the hill I'm going to die on because the kingdom, he's saying that with these are the people. And what he's saying is I see more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness, more generosity, more faithfulness, more gentleness and self-control in tax collectors and prostitutes. 
I will tell you, growing up, I hung out in a punk scene that was very diverse of like, there were Nazi skinheads, there were uh, sharp skinheads against racial prejudice that would fight. There were black punks, white punks, all this kind of stuff. And then I had all my preppy friends and people would fight and do, but I was able to have conversations with a lot of these people. And I will say like sitting at the punk house, I felt versus going to the church that I went to, I felt more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, definitely, and self-control than I did at high school from teachers and, and the administration or from any Bible school I went to or any Christian school I went to, you know, or any polit like politicians I've ever been around. I felt this from those folks. So you get that, right? Like, this is what it's talking about. This is the fruit it's talking about. It's not talking about, you know, demanding your own way. It's not talking about being, you're patient. So when someone uses your pronouns wrong, like I do as though sometime, he's patient with me. Thank God, because you know what? That heals me and that gives me a better, now I'm not as afraid, so I don't screw it up like I used to in the beginning, you know? Um... I'm waiting for him to change it up on me, though. <laughs> uh, them. For them. See? Boom. Ah, sorry. Um, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, you know, self-control. This, this idea of gentleness. Imagine how much if we were just gentle with each other, it would change the world. You know what I also love is in Corinthians 13, Paul wrote, love never demands its own way, and it's not irritable, and it keeps no record of when it's been wronged. I mean, these are powerful things. And this is what Jesus is saying here is that this is how you'll know these people belong to me. And matter of fact, I'm seeing it more from tax collectors and prostitutes. You know, prostitutes are people who have sex for money. Okay. This is the reality. It's not, he's saying religious teachers aren't getting it. You know, these guys are following holidays. They're not eating bacon, which is a miracle within itself. And, you know, they love the heads of the tables. And these cats that I'm hanging out with are getting it more. This is what's important. So I want you guys to think about the fruits of the Spirit because I think it's really vital. And also when you take a wider look back to see what's really important with this faith, with this idea of Christianity is, um, is, is good news. You know, it's like, oh, it's about loving others. Oh, it's about being patient. Oh my God, it's about being gentle. Like, Zoe is super gentle person. You know, um, like I said, to the point where I get like, because ah, my other best friend is not gentle person at all. <laughs> you know, so I've got, but I'm so glad I'm in a place where I'm grateful for seeing the fruits of the spirit. Like I'm seeing the fruits of the spirit in somebody. I'm like. Why am I so grateful? You know, and I'm going like, oh, well, obviously. I guess that's what the fruits of the Spirit are made to do. It's make you feel better and make you feel seen to make you feel like you're a goddamn human being. Um, Josh as well. You know, Josh is who skips every Sunday, but he edits all of it. I hope he hears that part. Um, <laughs> 
but he's a big help to what we're doing and getting these things out here. He's the same way, you know, and he's really trying to convince me not to shut this sucker down and come up with some other ideas. And I feel like we're going to have to do, you know, to go to like Mach 1 or whatever it is to, to do that. No, I'm going to finish this here because we got to finish. Sorry, I, I've been very manic a bit this morning, but but I hope you get it. I hope you understand like these, these are the things that are important, not fighting sins, not legislating what you think sin is or not that, but this idea of showing peace and patience and kindness and joy and that they will know you belong to me for your love for one another. Um, so, woo! How is that for an old gospel preacher sound? Um, I love that part. All right, but jump over to 23 with me really quick. And I want you to keep asking yourself, though, what do the fruits of the Spirit mean to me? You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What does this mean to me in my workplace? What does this mean to me every day? Um, I would say some, some of you who are more, like, very conservative, like, can you give us some of that? Some of us lefties, a little bit more of that. And to some of us who are super woke, lefties can you guys give a little bit more of that to the righties because right now that's what we need to be showing each other so we can have conversations because we've got to change the frame i'm tired of the politicians saying like hey, it's just one side or this one and we just vote no matter who it is down the blue or the red line it's just ridiculous at this point so if we start talking we might start to realize that there's a different way third fourth fifth sixth party who knows um, so if you jump over to 23, uh, Matthew 23, Jesus is, is still railing on the, the, the Pharisees here. He's still giving them a tough time. Um, but I don't feel like at any point does he steal away hope from them. Um, and I love this idea of self-control as well. You know, I really do love that. Um, cause I think it goes Self-control, I think it can be a two-way street. Um, buckle down, and then we'll, 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 we'll shut the show down. Um, 23.1. Then Jesus said to the crowd and to the disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit at Moses' at Moses's seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you. This is a hard one for me to swallow. And follow it, but do not... Do as they do. He's saying the words aren't bad, but don't do what they do. For they are not practicing what they teach. Okay, good teaching, but not practicing it. Now, this is the big part here. Listen to this. Please listen to this. I wish I could sit down with, there's certain pastors I'd like to sit down and certain, certain, um, almost everybody in Congress I'd like to sit down and have this conversation with. Because they all have health care, you know, and I mean, I can't tell you how like horrific I get health care I pay for it and how horrible it is. Like, I just wish some of my more like conservative friends could push your conservative people to to maybe see that there's got to be a better way because it's really, really tough, you know, as an independent contractor type of person. Like I talk to people who are 
like have jobs like therapists and things like that. And unless you work for a corporation, it's really tough to, and then that, even when you get that, it's not very good. You know, if we care about people, we would care that other people could get to go to the doctor too. Not just that we get the best service, but that everybody gets some service at least. Uh, and that's just common sense. That's not politics. Um, but listen to what it says here about the fair, with Jesus. He says, they tie you, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. I mean, basically he's saying is like these folks, there are folks who will crush you with impossible standards and not help you. And I think that's why we see a lot of these like ex-Christian podcast, post-Christian podcast, two ex-pastors in a pizza parlor, you know, like grew up Christians, you know, I've been on all these things, you know, but I think we see a lot of them is, is because these people got crushed and their pastors, they're the lay people or things weren't really there to help them, you know. But they themselves are unwilling to do and lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. Uh, make their, uh, I'm just going to, they love to have the place of honor in the banquet, blah, blah, blah. Best seat in the synagogue and to be greeted with respect in the marketplace. I'm going to jump down to 11. What Jesus says here, I think is the most powerful. Oh, and this reminds me of a, a stiff little fingers quote from Suspect Device. And... And, and the song says, they make us feel indebted for saving us from hell. And then they put us through it. It's time those bastards fell. I'll give you an idea where my mind is when I hear punk rock music. I'm like, oh, that really, you know, and that was talking about the troubles in Ireland. So there is definitely a religious vibe to that. But they make us feel indebted for saving us from hell. Then they put us through it. It's time those bastards fell. Um, even that U2 song, you know, you ask me to enter, then you make me fall. I can't be holding on to what you got. I mean, this is obviously issues. But down here it says, the greatest amongst you will be your servant. Okay, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, I guess are things that servants would have to be good at. The greatest amongst you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. But woe to you, scribes. Now listen to this one. This is really good. Woe to you, scribes, and you Pharisees, you hypocrites. And I feel like the same way about politicians right now. I'm not going to lie. On both sides, okay? Um, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you... For you lock people out of the kingdom of heaven. Basically, you take away these ideas of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, joyfulness, long so You lock people out of that presence of God on earth. You just, oh no, we've got to fight that team and no patience, no joy for them. We got no love for them. We're the I mean, that's what politicians do now. And that's what also preachers sometimes do. Oh, well, I'm an Calvinist. Cal Calvinist. You got to think this way. Well, I'm an assembly of God. You got to think this way. I'm you know, uh, I don't know any more denominations. I'm Presbyterian, you know, or I'm Baptist, you know, whatever. You know, I'm Lutheran. 
so you got to be this way. You know, it's like, no, no. People out in the kingdom of heaven, for you do not go in yourselves. And when others are going in, you stop them. You stop them. And why do they stop them? Why do the powers of BD stop them? Not because it's necessarily going to make them worried about us being better people or that they think it's going to hurt us, but they're worried that it's going to hurt their influence. It's going to hurt their capitalism. It's going to hurt their empty promises of selling completeness. Now, I don't believe even Christianity brings full completeness or that God brings full completeness because I've been told that my whole life and I haven't seen it. Um, but what I do know is that these people are selling, selling a completeness that, oh, that you'll be satisfied. Oh, won't you do this? Oh, won't you, oh, well, you know, you must be trying, oh, you're not faithful enough. Oh, you got to do this. You, oh, you should probably give more. You know, let's fill that void. You know, like capitalism is like, oh, get a new car and you get the new car and then it starts to scratch and they're like, oh, we've got the new one, you know, and it runs on, you know, uh, conservatives tears. So, oh, it's, you know, you know, I got to have the conservative tier one, you know, um, whatever, you know, and so, it's this idea that these folks are trying to keep us from experiencing something beautiful. And actually by doing these beautiful things is that people will see that they are hypocrites. People will see that there's a definitely need for change. People will see that other preachers are hypocrites and politicians are, and even social justice leaders and, and conservative leaders and all this, you know, we look at this. I'm going to give you an example that happened to me. I live in a lower income area. Um, there's a Taco Bell right by my house. And I go there a lot. And sometimes I bring the kids there and it's really funny because they think a Mexican pizza is just a hard um, cheese quesadilla. And they might be right, but I don't know. Um, so I'm sitting there feeling kind of down. <laughs> this was literally like just two days ago. I actually te texted Mario Cantone, the actor, about it because he warned me about this type of thing in Seattle. So I go in and these really like hip, cool, progressive looking cool folks come in and I'm just listening. This happened to me twice this week, which is very interesting. And they just start taking the piss out of this place and how cheap it is and how ridiculous this is and you know, oh, it's only good, you know, oh, when I was in high school, I used to eat her a lot, but man, this is weird, oh my God, you know, and they're just making fun of it and doing it, and I'm sitting there with someone who's like, you know, I kind of almost eat here every day, and it doesn't bother me, because I was cool, you know, I, I, I'm pretty hip, so I was like, I'm an elder hipster, so I would just sit and judge, <laughs> but like, the irony of like how they, you tell they were like super progressive, because you could see the stickers on their really nice car, and do all this stuff, <laughs> and their cool mustaches and all this crap, but they were just really judgmental of like poverty and they didn't see it. Like they just couldn't see like the forest passage. Like you're making fun of poor people. You're making fun of something that is some people's only choice um, and, and doing it in a really uh, kind of, I, I wish I could, you know, understand it. Now then I also, I was going and buying books and I might've told you this one, at a bookstore, I was buying theology books and philosophy books, and and there was this big rainbow flag. It was like, um, uh, what did it say on it? It said, um, 
tolerance and all this stuff. And, and there's all these like really crazy, like purple green hair, you know, and very progressive back there. And they are just making fun of everything that Catholics believe. I'm not making fun of like molestation in the church or anything like that. That's actually something that needs to be confronted, but they're making fun of like, Oh, I can't believe Catholics believe this. You know, then I, Oh, and they start going into Mormons and really tearing Mormons apart, which I just realized that one of my favorite biblical scholars is Mormon. And, and the other one's an atheist. So, um, but the fact is, it was ironic to me. And I was like, you know, maybe this is something we could all just laugh about. Like, you know, like you guys would be really mad if I started saying certain things about, oh, oh isn't it kind of crazy how you do this and then this and then expect this, you know? Um, and I get the church deserves it a little bit more at this point. But the point is, is that we all do it. And I think there's a time for us to wake up and face the realities that, you know, maybe it's just human nature sometimes and we could look at it and laugh at it rather than weaponizing these things, you know? Because I wanted to walk up and I didn't do it because I wanted to walk up and be like, because I'm like a white dude. That's why I didn't walk <laughs> with the cross on his hand. Walk up and go like, well, what does the tolerance thing mean? Like, is it just tolerance for LGBTQ folks? You know, is it just tolerance for like progressive liberals? Or, you know, what about folks who probably need tolerance more than you. I don't need to tolerate you. I love you, but maybe you need to tolerate me or other, especially these Christians, but they're the ones who need tolerance because they're kind of pains in the ass. Do we tolerate them? Do we love them and hope to change them? I didn't do that. I did talk to one of the people there just briefly who worked there. And we were just talking about the diversity of all the great books that were there. And I did talk to her a little bit about disagreeing well and arguing well. Um, the point is, is, we're all hypocrites, you know? And it's funny just to see it from this side of town. You know, it's just funny to see, like, we don't realize, like, I think po poverty is a disease. It really is a disease that's destroying this country. And I think we often treat the, you know, the, the side, what is it called when you have the, the symptoms? We often treat the symptoms rather than the disease, you know? And, um, and maybe I did feel a little shame, you know, with these college grad guy, you know, young kids looking really super cool and making fun of like people who probably have to eat there every day. And then there's, you know, there's human beings behind the counters who are like doing that and work. I've gotten to know some of the people who work in this community, like at IHOP and stuff, and then realized that this IHOP waitress she, who has helped me and my kids and IHOP's really cheap. But she's like, well, I'm like, oh, will you be on here on Christmas? Because I have Christmas off, so maybe I'll come by and do. She goes, yeah, and because and then the other three days I'm over at Denny's. I mean, these are people working their asses off, you know. And then they don't have time to be the progressive or the conservative or all that shit. They just got to live their life. Like that stuff doesn't matter, you know. And where's the mercy and grace for those who are really, really suffering? You know, just to put food on the table, just so their kids might be able to have one or two gifts, you know. Um, that was a downer, huh? Well, I'm going to read the rest. Hypocrites, for you cross the sea and land and make a single convert. 
and you make the new convert twice as much a child of hell as yourself. Blind guides. We will not be making child of hell here at Revolution. We are going to be working on making people who... Um, we want you to experience the fruits of the Spirit. I don't care what you think politically or all that crap anymore. What I, what I want you to do is experience the fruits of the Spirit, experience grace, experience acceptance, and the rest, the rest will follow. I really believe that. I really do. But I can't convince you of that. I can't make you believe that. But all I can do is share my experience and strength and hope with this. And uh, it's what I got. It's what I love. It's what I've spent my whole life training for. I hope I get to do it more, maybe in a different way, but I, I, I still want to do this. Um, I do love this. Your support is still needed. Revolutionchurch.com. Donation button's on the top. Love you guys. Thanks for sticking around. And um, I hope this challenged you in a way of embracing even some contradictions sometimes and and seeing words is, can be cheap, but also seeing words that can be incredibly powerful. And so we just can't, we're, we just don't need to be rule makers, you know? We need to see when it applies and when it works. Because even contradictions come together and they work. Dialectics can both work at the same time. Love you guys. Guess what next week is, do you know? My next week is <laughs> um it's my birthday so i will hopefully be here unless i'm partying which i doubt i will be but 47 going to heaven so we'll see you guys next week lots of love lots of grace uh also please share this with your friends please share on social media it really doesn't take much to share once you see one of our things in a story and let people know it doesn't really retweet isn't going to kill you. Um, you know, might make people think you're less cooler, but then that'll be patience. You're like, oh, I'm going to be patient. <laughs> or what, what's this fun one? Um, generosity. Generosity. I'm going to be generous. And even though people might judge you for putting up a, a gathering, which is still called a church and some of our social media things, you can be like some other people are like, hey, I'm not really spiritual, but this place is pretty cool. You can check it out. You know, that really helps. Have you guys, I mean, obviously you're on the internet. That would help. We need your help. We need your help. <laughs> All right, everybody. Peace out. We will see you on the 18th. I'll be much older by then. Bye. For listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.